Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast and today we're covering the ambitious topic of CRRT in the ICU. Something that occupies a central part of the daily job indeed but also occupies O's Manual Chapter 48, Erwin and Rip Chapter 201 and a few other review papers thrown in for good measure. We're only going to get so far, uh, really as far as the modes of CRRT today so we're not going to get too carried away. The obvious initial distinction in renal replacement therapy modes is between intermittent hemodialysis, IHD, and CRRT, continuous renal replacement therapy, with IHD being intermittent, as the name suggests, and CRRT being continuous. There are obvious temporal discriminators to do with how long the machine is attached to the patient, but under the hood of those terms there are actually a lot more fundamental differences between how the two kind of broad um, modes work. In broad terms, we can compare dialysis, so that's the movement of small molecules across a membrane along an osmotic gradient, and we can compare that with ultrafiltration, the squeezing of plasma through a big sieve that retains the big bits of plasma and lets all the other bits leak out. The best analogy I've seen for this comes from one of my colleagues in his yearly introduction talk to renal replacement therapy, and dialysis is the tea bag as ultrafiltration is to the espresso machine. Alas, such simple categorizations fall by the wayside when we encounter the actual workings of one of the big green machines in the unit, as it often presents several different modes to us. We can run a continuous hemofiltration, a continuous hemodialysis, or a combination mode of continuous hemodiofiltration. And these rejoice in the acronyms CVVH, CVVHD, and CVVHDF, respectively. So let's start with CVVH, so continuous veno-veno hemofiltration. In this setup, blood is drained from the venous side and entered entered into a circuit under initially under negative pressure and then post-pump it becomes positive pressure. This positive pressure is used to force blood through a hemofilter containing many hollow fibre microtubules, making up about a metre squared um, that's all squeezed into that tiny plastic container on the front of the machine. Hydrostatic pressure drives the, 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 pla- the water component of the plasma into the filter compartment from the blood compartment, with the solute drag bringing along small and middle molecules with it. The principle here is convection, with both the transmembrane pressure and the semi-permeable barrier characteristics both contributing to how much filtrate is generated. The filtrate produced looks just like urine, and it collects in a big bag at the bottom of the machine and has to be changed out every now and again. The yellow stuff contains things we want out of the body, things like potassium and urea. Uh, And it's very easy to remove water from the body in this manner. manner. And in general, if you leave someone to filter without any replacement fluid being given, then your patient will become very negative very quickly. Hence the large 5 litre bags of replacement crystalloid type fluid that run simultaneously as the yellow stuff is being produced. At its simplest, the yellow ultrafiltrate has all the same concentrations in it as the plasma, minus the big large molecules like albumin and the cellular components of the blood. In pure CVVHD, so that's continuous venovenous hemodialysis, the patient's blood is on one side of a membrane with a dialysate fluid running in the opposite direction on the other side of the membrane. In this scenario, solutes such as sodium, potassium, urea leave the blood compartment to the dialysate compartment down a concentration gradient. In this scenario, the water follows the solute, which is, it's, which is in distinction to hemofiltration, where the solute follows the water. When running CVVHD, the dialysate flows are usually very modest, maybe at maybe 30 mils per minute, in distinction to the flow rates of dialysate in intermittent hemodialysis, where the rates are more like 500 to 800 mils a minute. CVVHDF, then, is a combination of the two modes we just talked about, with a little bit from column A and a little bit from column in, from column B for good measure. 
Um, with plasma is now being squeezed out through the haemofilter and there is also a modest countercurrent dialysate flow happening at the same time. And the yellow stuff produced in this mode is a combination of the ultrafiltrate that squeezed through the filter and the spent dialysate that has passed through the filter in the opposite direction. So one would think that we've already covered enough acronyms for one day, but unfortunately there are several other important ones still out there to cover. Thankfully, they use most of the physiological principles already covered. So let's start with SCUF, Slow Continuous Ultrafiltration. Simply put, this is a low-volume CVVH, so continuous venovenous haemofiltration, and without the fluid replacement. So blood enters a haemofilter, and through the interaction of hydrostatic pressure and membrane characteristics, ultrafiltrate is produced, and the remaining blood is returned to the body, minus some of the electrolytes and water that it's lost as it's passed through the filter. Because the electrolyte concentration in the ultrafiltrate is the same as that in the blood, there's no major drops in sodium or potassium to worry about, as long as you don't remove too much fluid. Solute clearance overall is very poor, as effluent rates in this mode are more like 100 to 200 mls an hour, and you put that into it's about 2 mls per kg per um, hour, versus the usual um, 2,000 mls per hour, about 25 mls per kg per hour, produced in CRRT. But this is not an issue, as this is a mode that you use in someone who has reasonably working kidneys that can deal with their own solute issues, but has maybe about 10 or 15 kilograms of water that you want to remove in an efficient fashion. Removing 100 to 200 mils of ultrafiltrate in the R will rapidly dry out your patient, as you might imagine. The final, maybe more ICU-specific mode of renal replacement therapy is probably SLED, slow, low-efficiency dialysis. It must be said that they're not really selling it with a name like that and perhaps the inventors need to up their branding game a little just to make it a little bit more popular. Unlike all the other modes so far, this one uses a standard intermittent hemodialysis machine and all the usual plumbing that you need to go with it. The idea here, the idea here is to run the blood and dialysate flows at a much lower rate and over a longer period of time than you normally would do in a normal IHD session. Given that it's a diffusion mode, it's much more effective at solute removal than CRRT. The idea is that your ICU patient can have a busy day with trips to CT scan, line changes, bit of rehab activities, and then they can get plugged in for the night in the sled um, to give the blood a nice wash and they're all ready for another day of clinical progress the next day. I have zero clinical experience with this, but people who do have it um, seem to feel it's the best thing since loaves came pre-cut and ready for the toaster. Um, CRRT is clearly ubiquitous in everyday ICU practice and one might think this is due to an overwhelming collection of evidence suggesting its mortality superiority over intermittent hemodialysis. But then, perhaps unsurprisingly, such an evidence base supporting that mortality benefit does not exist. And the stability and availability of CRRT has probably led to its current market-leading position in the unit. There does, however, seem to be a suggestion of better renal recovery with CRRT over IHD and that may well be related to less um, episodes of hypoperfusion um, of the kidneys that come when you use IHD, typically the blood pressure dives when you try to do three days of kidney work in four hours. Um, you get less of that when you use CRRT and perhaps that's what's leading to the better renal recoveries. So for reading, as mentioned, O chapter 40, Erwin and Rip, um, chapter 201, and Deranged Physiology has a lovely selection of articles on CRRT, including the anatomy of a, a Prisma Flex that you might want to have a look at. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you later.